0: Welcome to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode number eight, five steps to building a real marketing campaign, and it starts right now.
1: Is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M dot com.
0: And as always here at the Digital Marketing Happy Hour, it is a happy hour. And no happy hour is complete without a beverage. Chris, what are you drinking during this happy hour?
1: You know what? Don't judge me too harshly. My supply is getting a little low. I need to do a beer run here. I settled on just a simple Coors Light tonight, just... Cool, crisp, refreshing. What about you,
0: Ryan? Keeping it fancy. I like it. <laughs> the um, love wine. Really, you know, if I'm not drinking a beer, it's usually, it's it's probably the other way around. If I'm not drinking wine, it is uh, a cold beer. But today, it's a uh, red wine, love reds, and it's a uh, called Black Pepper. It's a Shiraz from Australia, and it's great. Really good with uh, steaks. So.
1: so I went easy and you went fancy tonight. Well, we have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Casali. Thank you for joining us this week on the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Marketing is a big passion of ours, and we hope you'll enjoy this episode. Our goal with each of these episodes is to help your business achieve results so you can reach your goals.
0: During our last podcast in Episode 7, we talked about the importance of measuring conversions. Well, one of the questions that kept coming up was, how do you measure conversions, and what are the right conversions to measure? Chris and I talked about it a bit, and we decided if we're going to talk about the data and measurement side of marketing campaigns, we had to start with the steps to create a successful campaign.
1: Yeah, for sure, Ryan. If you listen to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour at all, you know how big of a data geek I am and how much we really love to talk about analytics and measuring your results. But before we can really get into the weeds about that, we thought it would make sense to start by talking about the steps necessary to build a marketing campaign. So with that, Ryan, what do we have as step one?
0: Yeah, it's important to always start with a goal. It's gotta be something that is measurable. It's gotta be very specific. And this is an area, right out of the gate, I've come across in my entire career, something I struggled with actually at the very beginning of, of my marketing, and I see other small businesses well, large and small, really, that struggle with this. And it's, what is the difference between a goal and objective? It sounds like a elementary problem, but I think it's important for businesses to understand the difference, your goal. And I always kind of like to go back to is that SMART goal, right? Before we get to that, you know, awareness isn't a goal. And I think that's the big stumbling block for a lot of people, especially if you're just getting started or maybe you've been in it for a while and you kind of just blur the lines between the two. But a SMART goal, it's something I learned several years ago, and I don't even know who defined it. It's an acronym, S-M-A-R-T, and it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevance, and Time-Bound. So an example of an objective would be to convert leads. You know, lead, you're know, you running this campaign and you want to generate more leads or generate more website traffic. That's not a goal. That's an objective. and that's a confusing area, I think, for a lot of people. So what would make it a goal is you wanna increase, let's say, website traffic, But maybe we can do it through, be a little bit more specific, use a time frame with it. It could be, you know, over the next quarter in Q3 and then comparing year over year when you get into that measurable. But be specific, measure it, make sure it's attainable. Don't go from, you know, I just started my website to, man, I hope, you know, hope to get a million website visitors at the end of the year. I think it's, you know, important to use those SMART goals, those acronyms to really make sure that you're defining your goal. And then lastly, problem identification is a. huge step in defining a goal. You can solve any problem, but identifying the right problem is key to a successful outcome. So if you solve the wrong problem, then what difference does it make? Yeah, you
1: mentioned a couple key things there, Ryan, and I I really feel problem identification, I feel like the, the steps to solving a problem, the identification part, always seems to get missed. They always come to you with, this is the problem we're trying to solve. Well, is it? Is that really a problem? Or maybe that's just a symptom of the problem. So if you really focus on what the issue is that can really help you with, all right, this is what we want to do to solve it, and this is the goal that we've got. And you mentioned one thing that is a giant pet peeve of mine, which is this idea of awareness. I I can't tell you how many times in working with clients to build a marketing campaign, I've said to them, well, you know, what's your goal? What are you hoping to achieve here? Well, we want to raise awareness awareness isn't a goal. How do you determine if it was successful? If one person is now aware of it, is that success? If it's a thousand people, how do you quantify that? If you own a business, what level of awareness will, in your mind, be successful? If you're a part of a larger business, how are you going to go back to your boss and say, well, I generated a bunch of awareness? That's not a goal. That's not going to help you achieve results. So there's nothing wrong with having awareness as an objective as part of what you're trying to do, but your goals need to be very specific, very measurable and I think you hit on a key point with time bound there. Obviously you can say I want to achieve you know 50 new signups, but if you don't say I want to achieve 50 new signups in three months and you hit that number 50 in three years, well, does that really mark success? So it's very, very important to start at the highest level with what is the goal of the campaign.
0: Yeah and I think it's important too that not to blur the lines in the fact that objectives are important. Goals are important. The common, I would say, issue that we both kind of come across is that brand awareness isn't a goal. And a lot of people try to claim that and and go off on it, especially when you're getting into social media. Oh, we created brand awareness. How you would do that is, okay. what's your objective? increase brand awareness what is your goal okay and then you get into the specifics of maybe a social media where you you want you can measure the impressions the clicks the retweets the you know facebook uh the comments did they like it love it so those are ways where you can still use that objective but when you come across and someone says the goal is brand awareness this would be a great way to help define for them and help for that campaign of first come up with your objective once you have your objective, now you can create your goal.
1: That's a great point. We're not knocking brand awareness. We just want to make sure that you have the distinction between the two. Brand awareness can be a component of it, but if you don't have that measurable piece, how do you really know how you're performing?
0: So we have now defined and came up talking about the goal. Chris, what would be the, the second step in building this marketing campaign?
1: So step two is define your audience. Who is it that you're trying to reach? You've got a goal that you want to achieve. Who is it that you want to move the needle on that goal? Your audience is the group of individuals that you're trying to reach. The best way to look at audiences or to get a sampling of it, probably heard this a lot in the the marketing sphere, develop audience personas. What is an audience persona? Well, an audience persona is a segment of your population it's not everybody that you're looking to sell to but it might be the biggest pockets within that population that you're hoping to reach out to typically you're going to have between three and five of them you might have a little bit more a little bit less but remember the more personas that you develop the more strategies and tactics you're going to need to implement them so it's better to keep it a little concise particularly as you're getting started what is an audience persona well audience personas consist of two primary things demographics and psychographics. Demographics are things like age, gender, race, maybe the job position they hold, and psychographics are fears and motivations. And I often see that psychographics get missed or they get generalized when Companies are building their audience personas, and it's it's very important here to interview people or do focus groups or surveys or to really understand the psychographics of your audience. Because if you understand what are the things that they're afraid of and what are the things that motivate them, that is the best way to reach them by assuaging those fears or giving them content that helps
0: to motivate them. Chris, you know, understanding and getting granular with your, your demographics and psychographics are so important. There's an old saying, and I've heard it before, I don't know where it came from, when it comes to defining your audience. You could also, your ideal customer avatar, that's another thing, your ICA. Uh, Amy Porterfield talks a lot about that. I think what it's important to understand is, if you try to be everything to everyone, you'll be nothing to no one. This is something I heard a long time ago, and I've, I've heard it from multiple Times sources. I, I can't even tell you who to source this from, who originally said this, but I think it's important You can't just market or advertise to everybody and everybody. Well, I get it, you want to sell all of the products that you can and reach as most people globally as you can. If you try to be everything to everyone, you'll be nothing to no one. Those are really in the marketing world, it's words to live by. The other thing uh, you hear a lot, it's uh, the riches are in the niches, meaning if you can get granular and identify your audience based off of the age and gender, you know, what their fears are, what their motivations are, you get down and very, very granular and specific. That's where you can create these campaigns that speak to them, understanding what their problems are, that your product is a solution and when you create your content your blogs your ad copy It's as if you know who they are and you're talking to them. And that's why this defining an audience is so important. And it's not just this podcast. It's every other marketing podcast. When you hear them talking about the importance of understanding your audience and really getting granular, we all say it because it's true. And you will save, I think, a lot of headache and a lot of money down the road by testing and trying these different audiences uh, with your marketing messaging because you know and get really specific. And you'll see a lot more success, higher conversion rates when you truly understand your audience. I'm going to say it one more time, if you try to be everything to everyone, you'll be nothing to no one. So definitely define your audience is step number two into building a real marketing campaign.
1: And we know it's a time-consuming exercise, but it's definitely not a fruitless one. Taking the time to define that audience, to build those audience personas, to Ryan's point, to know exactly who you're speaking to, it makes the message you're trying to deliver that much stronger. So now you've got your clearly defined goals and you've identified your audience. Ryan, what's step three to developing a marketing campaign?
0: Step three is to develop the strategy. This is a big one, and and, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead into the next one is selecting the right tactics. Before we get into number three of strategy and, and number four of tactics, I think it's really important, as we talked about with the differences between a goal and objective, a lot of people kind of blur the lines and confuse them. Tactics and strategy, I think, falls along the same lines of when you ask somebody what their strategy is, immediately, they'll start talking to you about a tactic. What's your strategy? Oh, I post on Instagram. That's a tactic. That's not a strategy. So, just let's go back for a second and roll it back and understand that tactics are the means that you're using to get to your goal. The strategy is the overall campaign plan. Funny story, how I learned this lesson the hard way was when I was starting off in digital marketing and I worked for a biotech company, you know, we stored umbilical cord stem cells. And at the time, my uh, supervisor, my boss, I had to come up with a campaign, and I had to define the strategy and then define the tactics. And I was really struggling at this exercise. And I remember turning it in. It kind of felt like I was in school. I had had it typed up in paper and submitted it on her desk, and kind of like a test would like, you know, with red ink would exit out and like slide it across the her desk back to me and said, go try again. And it took probably three to five times. And by the fifth one, there was no more red ink. And I really struggled with the difference between strategy and tactics. And it felt like a little bit of tough love. And I was getting really frustrated. And of course, you know, inside you take it on her like why she just isn't helping me understand the difference between these two things. But I finally it just the light clicked. And now I'm very thankful, you know, these years later, you know, I still have a better understanding of strategy and, and tactics. So for me, I just had a great boss who really worked with me on that in defining it. At the time, I didn't understand why it was so important. I knew it was important, but understanding the differences. And then now, you know, working with businesses and having all these clients over the years, you realize it's extremely important when you're helping other people define their campaigns, but also teaching them, letting them know, hey, this is your strategy, and here are the tactics uh, with it. So step three is now develop a strategy. Step four is selecting the tactics. Your strategy is not a mission your strategy is not a vision your strategy as we talked about is not a tactic and again some of those tactics are like i was you know posting on instagram or on facebook a strategy is the plan to reach connects with the audience and achieve the goal and a framework for making decisions. So creating that strategy is that first step before you go into tactics. A lot of times most people they get it feel like they're so excited when they start campaigning and creating these thoughts when they're, you know, creating their outline in a word doc that they go right to the tactics. They all know the tactics they want to do and they they hammer them all out. And a lot of times they forget the overarching Well, what is your strategy? Very similar to what we just talked about between the goal and the objective. They go to the objective and they assume it's that is the goal and there's not a lot of clarity with that. So just like this, it's important to first develop a strategy before you can then go into the tactic.
1: It's such a relatable story, and I feel like it's one that we've all gone through at some point in our careers. The way I've always kind of divided this in my mind so it was easier for me to understand, the goal is the what, the, you know, the what you're trying to achieve. And then the audience is the who. Who are you trying to, to reach? The strategy then becomes the how. How are you going to communicate that message? How are you going to reach that audience? And then as you get into tactics, you start to get into the when and the where, more of the implementation components. So it's important to understand that distinction. It's possible to have a social media strategy, but the actual act of buying ads on Facebook, let's say, or posting organic content on Instagram, those are individual tactics. And that's where the real separation is between those two.
0: So, transitioning into our fourth step, select tactics. Now that we have defined that strategy, now we can get into the means of which we're going to spread our messaging to reach our goal.
1: And I know that it feels like we've kind of blended steps three and four together here with strategy and tactics. And the reason we did that is they really do go hand in hand, which is why we talked about the two of them together. But I also think in talking about them in context, it helps you, it makes it easier for you to understand the different components, right? Strategy is that overarching framework for how you're going to connect, and then the tactics are the concrete, typically smaller steps to how you're going to achieve that strategy. So I gave you one example. Another example might be, you know, you might decide that one of your strategies is going to be to increase your organic traffic on a particular campaign. So the tactic underneath that strategy would then be writing a series of blog articles, which would then help with the SEO and the organic component of that. So strategy and tactics steps three and four to building a marketing campaign, which leads us into our fifth and final step. Brian, what is it?
0: Step five is, at the end of it, it implements and it's to measure. If you work in an agency, you have a book of clients, this is usually the first place they always wanna go, especially after campaigns have been running live. They wanna know, how's everything doing? If you're advertising or marketing for a brick and mortar, First thing they am going to tell you is the phones aren't ringing and people aren't coming in or something along those lines. So this is an important, in a lot of times clients, this is the first thing that they want to know is how is the campaign performing? And next is you have to do is you have to be able to track the data. Not only do you have to be able to track the data, you also have to be able to read and understand what you're looking at because you can have a metric. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about this in another podcast. A KPI, key performance indicator, some metric in in Google Analytics, for example. You can have three people look at one metric, and three people can actually come up with three different scenarios uh, from that whether it's good or it's bad, or they're even indifferent on there. So it's difficult, you go through the campaigns and the reviews, it's important to measure and to take a look at how many leads came in. For example, if that was part of your goal during this given campaign period. Reporting on this is extremely important for your business. It's also important because when you get through a campaign period and you're looking at the results, you have to make different decisions because with campaigns, It's fluid, and it's important to make adjustments, whether it's to your social media. Maybe you weren't using the right hashtag. You want to use another hashtag that might be a little bit more popular, or the opposite. You're using a very vague hashtag, and you need to get very specific in using it in your social media marketing, because while you might be getting a lot of impressions, you're getting no conversions, because you're not hitting the right people with your message.
1: The easiest way to think about it for me is like a GPS on a map, right? You've defined the goal up front, so you know where it is you want to go. But if you're not measuring, how do you know where you are? When somebody asks you the question, how is the campaign performing? If you answer that with an emotion, if you say something like, it feels like it's performing well, or I think it's going good, then what you're really saying is you have no idea. You have no idea. And this is where the data is so critical. You need the data to be able to determine where is it that I'm currently sitting today and how much further do I have to go? It's funny. I feel like for a decade plus, we've been talking about the marketing funnel. This idea that at the very top, you have people that, you know, express interest, you know, prospects and whatnot, and then maybe they express interest and now they're a little bit more engaged. So now they become more of a lead or a marketing qualified lead. and they work their way a little bit further down into a sales qualified lead. And then you sell them and now they're a customer, right? And it's sort of shifted, I would say, over the last several years into more of a flywheel where once they're a customer, you want to turn them into advocates. So as much as I, you know, want to use the newer term of, of flywheel, I kind of get stuck in my head with uh, with funnel because realistically what you're trying to measure here is how many people at each stage and how close are you to getting to your goal. So for example, if you're running an ad on Facebook, how many people have seen the ad? How many people have clicked on the ad? How many people engaged with the website that you sent them to? Maybe if there was a form on that website, how many completed the form? And then finally, how many converted? How many people did exactly what you asked them to do? And if you don't have that data, then you don't know how the campaign is performing. The beauty of having the data is that you can actually measure it by each of the audience segments that we talked about in step two. You can see how each of those audience segments is performing so that you can potentially focus on... You know, one of them over others, or maybe a group of them and whatnot, to, to get you to the goal that you set at the very top of this. And that's why all five steps in this process are so important
0: you know what I think it's great too especially when I've worked with clients in the past where you you create a campaign and, and it, maybe it's just even targeting you get back to okay we want to do this geolocation running an ad campaign hypothetically and, and a lot of times sometimes they're like no I'm not sure that's not really where our area is and you kind of look at the data maybe you look at the search terms and you've run ads and you, you see that you know there's a lot of potential maybe in this area but for whatever reason this client just isn't it hasn't had success and they stay away from it and let's try it again and you know sometimes they just have these these emotions and they feel certain ways, but they also don't have any data that backs up with their feeling. So it's just an emotion. Those are my favorites because then you can run it. And I always say, well, let's test this out. Let's target this certain area. Let's use, you know, either or these keyword phrases, whatever it is that you wanna test, and let's let the data tell us. And we get to that step five that implements, you know, and then you measure what you implemented. I love it because if you're right, it's great. I mean, I don't always do it just to be right, but I like to do it because you can test things and, and let the data make the decisions with, as you talked about, with no emotion. And those are types of things that you can test. And when people, you know, if it's a client of yours, they or if it's a coworker and they say, no, I don't want to do this, or let's try this, you can kind of run an A-B test on whatever it is specifically that they're mentioning that you want to test. Again, I just threw out a geolocation. It could be anything. So when you look at the data, the data doesn't lie. And that's what I love about it. You're not going against maybe some of these gut feelings that you have. You run a campaign the data comes tells you it was a success or it wasn't. And those are some of the greatest things I, I love is when you kind of pit ideas, especially if it's like a client, an agency together, and then you look at the data and say, okay, here's how it performs. And then you make that decision from there. Making marketing decisions based on data is the smartest decisions that you can make for any organization possible.
1: No, all good points. And they really validate why this is a crucial five-step process and you can't skip any of the steps on, along the way if you're looking to achieve those results. So that'll wrap up this episode, but no episode of the Digital Marketing Happy Hour is complete without the Keep It Light segment. Brian, what are you binge watching or reading these days?
0: Well, you know, kind of, I'd like to, you know, switch back and forth. Actually, hard copy book, which I hate to say this. I actually kind of stopped reading hard copy books the last couple of years. It's all been audible. I do a lot of podcast listening to, which obviously people here are listening to. But I kind of went back and it came through an email. It's from Molly Pittman, who kind of made her sort of fame and and her name through becoming uh, working at digital marketer. And I always thought her story was kind of interesting. She talked a little bit about it where she was a bartender in Kentucky and made her way to Austin. And it, this book is about kind of her career and her path that she made it to. It's called Click Happy, Your Guide to a Meaningful Life and Career in the Digital Era. And it's, you know, sometimes when you listen to people, their podcasts or whatever, it's, I just found it very interesting, her her little journey from that. And it just kind of goes to show you and her whole thing is anything's possible and how she got into the space. So that is what I am binge reading right now. And it's, it's I'm not finished with it, but it's, a, it's an interesting story. And I, I definitely recommend it to, especially to people who want to get into this career of digital marketing. She has some really good tips in there for what you can do and how to get there. So that is what I am reading. Chris, what are you doing these days?
1: So I think I mentioned last week, I've been doing a lot more reading. It's sort of funny you mentioned a hardcover book because I uh, I typically do, do the same thing, listen to a lot of Audible or if I'm going to read it, it's on my Kindle. But I've got a hardcover book as well. I'm reading Imperfect and Improvable Life by Jim Abbott. And I don't know if we've actually mentioned this on the podcast before, but Ryan and I are big baseball fans. I grew up in New York and I am a hardcore Yankees fan and he has lived here in Tampa and is a big time Rays fan. So we always like to talk baseball. Well, growing up in New York, I obviously followed the Yankees through the 80s and 90s, and I read a book when I was a kid called Against All Odds about Jim Abbott, who is a one-handed pitcher. He was born without a hand, and it's sort of funny. He mentions in the book how one-handed pitcher has always preceded Jim when people talk about his name, but his story is truly inspiring. He came up through the I would say through the California Angels system, but he actually skipped the minor leagues and went right to the majors and pitched uh, for the California Angels, now the Anaheim Angels, for a number of years, and then was traded to New York. And he did something that very few of the greatest pitchers of all time have accomplished, which is he threw a no-hitter. And this book is the story of that no-hitter in New York. But he also weaves in stories of his life and his family as part of it. So just a really, really great read and something I remember watching as a kid and and hearing about and seeing in the papers all the time. And just an incredibly inspiring story.
0: So the fact that you mentioned that you're a Yankees fan, I'm hearing the unsubscribes to our podcast just are now just amplified.
1: Don't hold it against me. I grew up in New York, so I'm a fan. Can't help it. Hey, thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we have fun recording it. If you get a chance while you're on iTunes, go in and leave us a review, preferably a positive one if you got any value out of this, even a slight laugh, even if it's at our expense, uh, and share it with friends, colleagues, family. This is our mom's favorite podcast, and we hope it's yours too.
0: And if you're a Red Sox or Astros fan, please don't give us a one-star based on Chris's Yankee fandom. We would like to hear from you. If you heard something you loved, better yet, you know, something you hated, let us know. Send us an email to podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M dot Also, please find us on social media, on LinkedIn. You can hit me up at Ryan Smith Marketing. Do a search on LinkedIn. You'll find us. Also, if you type in Araxam, A-R-A-X-A-M, you'll find us as well. Additionally, on Twitter and Instagram, you can find me at Ryan Smith FLA, Ryan Smith FLA.
1: And I'm on Twitter at Real Chris Casale. That's R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss any more of our podcasts. We hope it'll enlighten your day. Thanks for listening and we'll talk at you next week.
0: Have a great day. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at araxam.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening.